Well, we're in the series called uh, One Another's, and uh, really what we're doing is we're changing the game. And we're saying ministry is not located on a platform. In fact, everybody who names Jesus as their Lord and Savior is a minister of the gospel. And you're born to make a difference. So it's not one to many, it's many to many. And uh, I really believe that God wants to raise up a whole lot of heroes in the faith. Uh, you know, too many people today are looking for fame. In fact, we live in the celebrity world where everybody's chasing and wanting to be a celebrity. But you go, a celebrity or famous for what? You know, famous for being famous? But it's like, well, what's up with that? You know, it's like, who wants the hat? Whereas we need some heroes. And a hero simply is, is the, somebody who's a hero is found the selfless pursuit of serving a cause bigger than themselves. Yeah, I'll say that again, a hero, because <laughs> this is what we want to reproduce here at Equipus Church, a whole lot of heroes in the faith. Not heroes in the hall of fame, but heroes in the hall of faith, in Jesus' name. And it says, you know, a hero simply is somebody who's selfless, who have a selfless pursuit of serving a cause bigger than themselves. Yeah, I love David in the Bible. We all know David uh, because he took out Goliath. And he, he showed up on the scene as the younger brother. You know, his, his older brothers were the men that were in the battle. But they weren't fulfilling uh, the mandate. They, you know, every day they'd go uh, to the battle to take on the Philistines. And they'll be intimidated by this giant Goliath. And uh, they'll go back home. But David rocks up. He's delivering some sandwiches to his brother. Is, and he sees uh, this Goliath intimidating uh, the armies of the living God. And I like David because he, he had a little bit of mongrel in him. And it's like, who is this guy? And, and what's he doing? You know, defying God's uh, armies. And, and uh, you know, first of all, he goes, well, what are we doing? And nobody's doing anything. And he says, well, what do I get if I take this guy out? You know, he just had a confidence that, that God can't be stopped, that God in him couldn't be stopped. And, and he says, well, what do I get if I take him out? And uh, they say, well, you get to marry the king's daughter, you get the gold, you don't have to pay taxes forever. I mean, no, that's, that's a good prize right then. And he goes, right, I'm in, I'm in. And so he goes in, but Eliab, the older brother, says, who are you to think you can do that? There's pride in your heart. You know, you should go back and just take care of the sheep, take care of the flock. And I love David because, you know, he responds just in the moment and he says, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? You know, I, I really believe right now God is looking for a generation of people who have the cause of Christ in their hearts, who are willing to put everything on the line for the cause of Christ. Because right now in the world, there's many things, many giants intimidating people out of God's plan and purpose. And, and God wants you and I to destroy some of those giants. Come on, the God in you is, is unstoppable. You know, too many people are living less than what God's promised and purpose for their life. And when it comes to who you are in God, you've got to understand you're an overcomer. If, you, if your life's in Christ, royalty is your identity. Royalty is your identity. You're a son and daughter of the king. Servanthood is your assignment. 
And intimacy is the source of your strength. Come on, can I say that again? Yeah, when it comes to the cause of, cause of Christ, royalty is your identity. Don't look a princess of the king. Come on, you're a son or daughter of the Most High God. Yeah, I love David. He understood this because even when he talked to Goliath, he says, who are you, you uncircumcised Philistine? It's like he challenged his manhood right there and then. He says, who are you to defy the armies of the living God? Today, I'm going to cut off your head. You know, some of us right now, we need to look at the challenges in front of us and not shrink back. We need to say, today, I'm going to cut off your head. And like David, and I'm going to feed your dead carcass to the birds of the air. Because so many people, you know, it's like, oh, nothing, I'm just a worm. I'm a nobody, what can I do? It's just all me, you know. No, no, you're a child of God. Come on, you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Royalty is your identity. Servanthood is your assignment. How we change the world in, you know, is by bringing the kingdom into this world, and we do it through serving. And, and here's the deal. Intimacy is the source of your strength. It's your life source. You know, too many people today, they're living for identity. It's like, like if I, I do this, then I will. It's like, you know, they get their identity through who they know, their career. You know, it's like, you know, but if you place your identity in those things, you're going to be a mess. You know, you, you, you're going to not know who you are. One moment you're on top of the world, one minute you're not. And it's like, but how many know there's a stability when your identity is in Christ? And, and when you're in Christ, it's like, you don't live for identity, you live from identity. Uh, your identity's in Him. It's no longer, as Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ who lives. Where, where, where does He live? He lives in me. Come on, somebody help me out tonight. You know, I, I really believe, you know, God wants to use the ordinary, everyday person to change the world. Come on, you're born to make a difference. And tonight, I just want to go through four different characters in the Bible who changed their world, who changed their world. You know, when it comes to, you know, studying this year, if you're a university student, you know, you don't need to wait till you graduate to change your world. Right now. Come on, we just sung that song. It was over and over again. Right now. It's like, we're going to change the world. Come on, there's a there's now in God. I really believe there's an urgency in the spirit to what we're doing. We can't be complacent. We can't be apathetic. We can't be distracted. Come on, we're, we've got we've to zero in on this because God's given us a mission to fulfill in Jesus' name. And uh, it's right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's right now. It's right now. So we're going to look at, at four, four, four people uh, who, who changed their, their world. The first person we're going to look at is Joseph of Arimathea. Joseph of Arimathea. Some of you haven't even heard of this dude, but he's in the Bible. And in Matthew chapter 27, this is just after Jesus has been crucified on the cross. It says, The evening approached, and Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. What did he ask for? He asked for Jesus' body. He was dead on the cross, you know, it got dark, and he wanted the body of Christ. Now, we know in the New Testament, the church is the, what? It's the, 
But uh, I really believe God is wanting a, a group of people to, to actually ask for the body of Christ. To us, it goes on and says, and Pilate issued an order to release him. And Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth. He placed it in his own new tomb, which had been carved out of the rock. And then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and left. What, what did he do? What did he do? He repositioned the body of Christ. Uh, what I feel in the spirit is, is God is wanting the people who are going to reposition the church to a place of God's original intention. For, for too long, the church has been, you know, this group of people on the edge of society. You know, it's like you say you go to church, it's like, oh man, you're one of those crazy, or what do you go there for? But I really believe God's looking for a generation who are going to reposition the church to a place where it's not on the edge, but where it's at the center. Uh, but what it's going to take is people who are, who are prepared to ask for the body of Christ. No, man, I want, God, I'm not just converted to Jesus. I actually understand the cause of Christ. And I understand that His cause is outworked through His church. You know, when it comes to church, this is not just a good idea. This is a God idea. It's, it's a God. This is the vehicle He has chosen to change the world. I don't know if you understand, you know, the, the, the bigness of this. We're not just sitting in some convention center. This is the church. This is a gathering of God's people. This is where destinies and, 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 and purpose is found. This is, this is where a new day is brought on. This is the church, the gateway to heaven. This, this is a place where, where God moves. This is a group of people who, whom He moves through, whom He speaks and whom He acts. And that's why this is not just something, you know, I, I wake up on Sunday and go, well, should I go, should I not go? It's not like, you know, should I go to the movies or should I not go to the movies or, you know, should I go to a rugby game? No, it's, it's, I'm here because cause I want to see the body of Christ repositioned in our society, and I want to see you know, Christ's mandate fulfilled through His body. Come on, we're not just some, a, a group of religious fuddy-duddies, you know, who are just doing, uh, doing stuff to appease. Come on, we have the life of Christ in us, and we're called to represent Him to a world around us. Come on, do I get an amen now? Come on, uh, God is looking for a people who have a love for the house of God. A love for the house. I, I love this place. In fact, Jesus himself said, zeal for your house has consumed me. He was so passionate about the house of God that, that it consumed him. You know, and, and in fact, he, he gave up his life. He died for the church, being you and I. I believe God wants to restore some passion for the house of God. You know, in today's convenient world, it's like we're, we're, there's too many people who are connected with Jesus, but you know, they're, they're not passionate about the house. And I believe God wants to put a passion for the house of God. You know, people are prepared to even you know, give up their resources to, to position the house, to, be, to fulfill everything that Christ has purpose. You know, too many people are like, oh, the church hurt me. We'll join the club. Uh, here's the deal. You need to be a Christian to survive church. 
you actually need to operate with the spirit of love, forgiveness. You, you, know, you need to, you need, and, and this body has a way of forming and shaping you like no, no other community. You know, other communities will, will just ignore your dysfunction. Uh, but, but this, you know, and this, the Holy Spirit's working. You know, it's like, you can't just sit there with your dysfunction. You know, it's like, it's gonna, there's, there's some challenge gonna come your way. There's some, there's some stretch. You know, because after all, what are we? We're a whole lot of friends challenging one another to go higher on God. I, 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 I believe, you know, when it comes to church, people get bored simply because they don't embrace the stretch. I was saying this this morning. In fact, we'll do this activity again. Everybody up on your feet. For those that weren't here, up on your feet. This is a little intermission right now. Right, right now, I want you to lift your hands as high as you can to the sky. Put your hands. Okay, uh, look around. Everybody's hands high. Okay, right now, give me two more inches. Go. Wow, look at that. I, I thought you lifted your hands as high as you could go. But how many know there was more in you than you thought? I want to say, when it comes to, to God, our working His purpose through the church, we need some people who are prepared to stretch. Because there's more in you than you know. Come on, if you're going to clap, do a decent clap. No, no. Come on, there's more in you. You can take your seat right now. But there's more in you. And, and I, I believe together, we're called together to position His body. Together. It's like God came to, to David and, and said, are you the one to build me a house? I, I really believe the challenge to a lot of people here is, are you the one to build me a house? What are you going to do? Yeah, I know I'm saved. Yeah, you're saved, but what about your call? Because God hasn't just saved us, He's called us. And too many people, they know they're saved, but they don't know their call. They don't know their purpose. And, and God saved us and He's called us according to His purpose. And His purpose is to, to, to beautify the church. You know, at the moment, in some places, the church is dang ugly. Yeah, you know, it's like the stuff that goes on. But, you know, we're together called to beautify this thing. You know, God, Jesus is returning for what? A glorious bride. A, a glorious bride. And, and this is where we're going to have some passion for some zeal for his house. You know, when you've got zeal for his house, it's like anything that contradicts uh, what God's purpose is, it, it almost upsets you. It, it upsets you. Uh, my, my concern today in many places is we don't get upset enough. You know, you know it, it upsets me when people are just casual in their attendance to church. It upsets me when people will be on time for many other things. Go see Aladdin, go see all these other things, and you'll be on time. But it's like, you know, the house of God. Oh, did I go there? I, okay, I did. You know, you'll be on time, but you casually walk in and, and just treat, that, uh, treat the house of God as another show. Come on, this is so much, it's not that kind. We, we need some people with some zeal. You know, this, this upsets me because, you know, it's like we're living less and God, God, God's purpose is ordained. Come on, we need to get a bit of fire in our belly again because this is the greatest, the, mess, the church carries the greatest message on the face of the earth. Come on, do I get an amen tonight? Uh, I need a bigger one right now. Come on, do I get a big Amen. 
Amen. Joseph of Arimathea, he repositioned. He repositioned the body of Christ. I really believe you and I are called to reposition the body of Christ in society. We're to reposition it in people's minds. You know, to a place where everybody's going, man. In fact, I had an e-group. Um, and, you know, got an e-group, and uh, and uh, we've got a whole lot of guys coming along. But one of the friends ended up coming, um, and he came because he invited himself. And uh, there was a group of friends who were already coming along, and another guy came along, and he, he walked in the door. This is about a year and a half ago, and he goes, you know, he's going, why has I've been waiting to be invited to this, but nobody invited me. I had to invite myself. And I'm going like, I'm glad you're here. But it was like there was a curiosity in him that he thought, man, something's happening in that group. I want to be there. You know, we need to reposition the church so that in our friends and our neighbors' world, there's just such a curiosity that they end up going, man, I need to get to that place. I need to find out what's going there. I don't want to miss a Sunday. I don't want to miss out on what's going on. Come on, come on, we can reposition it. That's what God's called us to. How many want to reposition the body? Number two, second person. Not number two, second person. Second person who changed the world was a guy by the name of Daniel. Daniel. Daniel in the lion's den. Many of us have heard of that. Daniel had three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, he stood in the fire. But Daniel, listen to what the king of his time said. Uh, about Daniel. In Daniel chapter 6, it says, Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. So this is a powerful man. Because he sent this message to every race, nation, language throughout the world. He said, Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. Wow. That's huge. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. What the king, you know, a powerful man said, yeah, hey, you know, everyone throughout my kingdom shall tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Uh, uh, King Darius was saying, you know, I want your God to be my God. When was the last time you heard that from somebody? I want your God to be my God. Uh, come on. Oh. It's like, have you heard that? It's like, Daniel, Daniel was phenomenal. You know, his, his sacrifice, his diligence. You know, the Bible talks about how he refused to give himself to the king's delicacies. He set himself apart. And as a result, he had a 10 times better anointing on his life. Yeah, I really believe God wants to raise up a people who have a 10 times better anointing because they've consecrated themselves, set themselves apart for God's purpose. See, in the, in, in the end, many people want to be used of God, but if you're going to be used of God, you need to set yourself apart. You need to say, this is who I am. I'm not, you know, flirting with other things. This is me. This is my life. You know, it's not like I, I, I come and do the church thing for a bit and then, you know, I go out and do whatever over here. No, no, this is me. 
And, and Daniel, you know, even when the pressure was on and it was forbidden, he was forbidden to pray, Dan, Daniel wouldn't stop. He prayed. He even opened the windows and he prayed. You know, he got thrown into the lion's den because of it. But he still didn't back down. He said, this is me. This is where I'm at. This is my life. This is the direction of my life. I'm serving God. And as a result of him honoring God, God honored him. As a result, that word honor simply means to put your weight behind. And when you put your weight in behind God, is then you, you, you find God puts his weight in behind you. How many know God's a lot heavier than you are? He weighs a whole lot more than you do. And you want God's weight in behind your life. But some of us need to make a decision because it's like we're hovering. It's like we're, we're straddling two different worlds all the time. No, what we're going to understand is we're, we're going to live in the world, but don't be of the world. Uh, we're in it. You know, we're in it, but don't be of it. Don't be of the spirit of it. Don't, don't succumb to it. Don't, don't bow down when the pressure's on. You know, don't, don't bow down to temptation. And Daniel, as a result, he changed as well. You know, here's a question I want to ask you. If you weren't you, would you be inspired by you? If you weren't you, would you be inspired by you? I believe God is, is saying, come on, be somebody who can be an inspiration to somebody else. Yeah, be somebody. Yeah, I was talking this morning how, you know, a lot of us, you know, we get stuck playing this waiting game. You know, the waiting game is when I'm waiting for you and you're waiting for me. And, and while that's happening, you know, in fact, a, a, a lot of individuals like each other, but one's waiting for the other one and nobody's making the move. Yeah, it's like, uh, uh, just saying in church, we've got a lot of single people here, I know. It, it's just like, like ju just saying in church, you know, there's permission to take another person out on a no obligation free coffee. And here's what I want to say, it's just a coffee. <laughs> it's not marriage, it's not going out, it's not anything, it's just a coffee. Come on, I wanna create an environment where, where we stop this waiting game. It's like, oh, we're waiting. It's, how many know that awkward, somebody's waiting, waiting, but nothing happens? Yeah, it's just a coffee, I wanna get to know you. It doesn't mean that it's, you know, we're together. It's like, I just, come on, we gotta facilitate that culture. Uh, some of you go, oh, did he just say that? Yeah, 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 it's just a coffee. That's a good thing. Because God's got a plan for not just you, but he, he, you know, he wants to, yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he wants to bring people together. Yeah, it, 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 and, and two are better than one, you know, in terms of being able to fulfill. Yeah, you know, one can put to fly to a 1,000, but two, 10,000. Yeah, you know, it's, you got to find who you are in your, <laughs> as a single person before you ever come. <laughs> People, the other person doesn't make you effective. I just want to clarify that. It's like you've got to know who you are because two halves don't make a hole in a relationship. Two holes make a hole in a relationship. Oh, man, I'm going to have to go into this. I, I, I started down this, uh, down this thing. I'm kind of like, am I going to have to keep going? No, I better get back to my message. But, you know, you got permission. you got permission. That's all I want to say. you got permission. 
Yeah, that, to, to connect, it's a relationship. This is a good person, a good place to find your life partner. It's better than finding them at the nightclub. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying, this is a great place to find your life partner. It's the best place. You want to find somebody who loves Jesus, who's sold out for the cause of Christ, somebody who's not fickle, somebody who's got conviction. You want somebody who's got conviction in their life who knows where they're going. You know, I often say to single per- people, you know, run hard for Jesus. And if the other person can't catch up, they're not worthy of you. It's a good test. It's a good filter. Some of us need to filter out some people that we're considering. It's like, not, if they can't keep up with me, they're not worthy of me. See you later. And we need to go there. Okay. But yeah, but in a, in a relationship, it's like, here, here, I, I want your God to be my God. I, th- I think that's a big thing. You know, I've seen how you've walked. I've seen how you've found, and, and I want your God to be my God. Yeah, I, you know, even in a marriage, I, I want Kathy's God to be my God. You know, I, I want your God to be my God. You know, right around, we're going to make a difference if everybody around us just goes, man, who's your, who do you see? Where do you get that strength from? And, and I want your God to be my God. You know, I, I, want, I want to be the person who points people to Jesus. Points people to Jesus. Okay, third person. Okay, third person who changed the world is, is a girl by the name of Esther. Esther. Yeah, Esther turned a moment in history around after coming to the realization she wasn't there by chance. She had to come to a place where she realized, oh, I'm not here by chance. You know, some of us are just waking up right now. You're not here by chance. Yeah, you're born for such a time as this. Yeah, you're born. Yeah, you're, you're positioned where you're positioned to make an impact in your world. And, and it was the wake up, that moment, and Mordecai had to remind her, you haven't come into the kingdom just so you can feel good about yourself. Say, look at me, now I'm queen, yeah. You know, it's, it's not like that. You're coming to the kingdom. You know, you're queen. God's positioned you, positioned you for such a time as this to, to, to save a nation. See, many people today, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like they get in the position, but they don't fulfill their call. Yeah, it's like she was positioned as queen. Well, we'll go back. Her gift positioned her. She had a gift. What was her gift? She was beautiful. Some of us have that gift. <laughs> Some of you not unbelieving people. It's like, okay, she was beautiful. Because she was beautiful, you know, and she went through a process, she got positioned, she got chosen by the king, which positioned her in the palace. But, but that wasn't her call. See, many people stop at position and never enter call. Yeah, your position, yeah, is your job. Where, where you are on an everyday basis, that's your position, but it's not your call. So her position was queen, but her call was to save a nation. And just because she was in her position didn't mean she would fulfill her call. God gives us a whole lot of platforms in life. The challenge is, what are we doing with those platforms? And I want to say, is there not a cause? Don't just sit in your platform and think it's about you. 
You know, don't use your platform to, you know, to get your identity. No, come on. Your platform is to serve God's purpose in Jesus' name. It's to change. She saved a nation. She saved a nation. Because she was prepared to even relinquish her position so she could serve, so she could fulfill her call. Okay, last person. So we've got Joseph of Arimathea. We've got Daniel, and we've got Esther. Next one we've got is Joseph. Joseph saved his whole family in Israel through a dream. <laughs> Get that. Through a dream. He, he, he saved a whole family and a whole nation of Israel. It took years and a whole lot of opposition before the dream came to pass. But Joseph, even though he was a slave, never saw himself as insignificant. Yeah, here's the whole thing. If you just got a dream, you can change the world. If you've got a dream and you won't let go of that dream, you can change the world. You may face opposition. You may be even put in prison, falsely accused. But if you hold on to that dream, a God dream, you can change the world. Now, each one of these people had influence and used it for God. And their influence for God, they made a decision. I, I'm, I'm going to do something. You know, Joseph of Arimathea, he was wealthy and had credibility. So much so that he was entrusted by Pilate with the body of, of Christ. But he used his wealth and his credibility. You know, I wonder what we have right now at our disposal that we're not using for the cause of Christ. You know, Daniel... Daniel, his success came from his attitude. In fact, if we read Daniel 6 verse 3, it says, you know, the king gave thought to putting Daniel over his whole realm because he had an excellent spirit within him. He saw he was trustworthy, he had character, and the king gave him influence. But Daniel, you know, from that place of success, you know, was able to make a difference. Esther, you know, as we said, she was born beautiful and she was positioned as queen. Joseph. Uh, yeah, the circumstances of his life, yeah, changed a lot, but, but it, it was like something never changed within him. And what I want to say, just if we could get the musicians up, is, is what I want to say, when it comes to making a difference, you've got to take risks. You, you, you gotta, you got to take risks. You've got you to live on the front foot. You know, t- too many people are just responding to what happens to them in life. And it's always on the back foot. Saying this morning is like, so often we don't say hello unless somebody else says hello first. It's, it's almost awkward today, you know, whether you should say hello. So you, you walk past and, and, and in the end, nobody acknowledges one another because it's like, oh, do I say hello or do I just head down and... And walk on and pretend I never saw them. You know, it's it's like how many know when somebody says hello, it's easy to reply. But so often we're waiting for somebody else to initiate it. Yeah, it's almost like if you say hello and you smile at a person, people freak out today. So, but we're we're gonna be friendly. Just just hello and a smile can change somebody else's world. And, you know, then you get a response. But so many of us are waiting. We're in this waiting game, waiting, you know, for somebody else to do something, waiting for somebody else to be kind. 
You know, if, if you're always waiting for somebody else, it's like things never happen. We, as the people of God, are called to initiate. We're not called to be on the back foot. We're called to live on the front foot. And the front foot is, hey, we're not going to wait and see. We're going to step out on what God's called us to do. We're going to take a risk. Risk. You know, Joseph of Arimathea, he risked his reputation. You know, he could have been accused. Oh, you're one of those Jesus followers. How about we build a cross for you? He risked his reputation to reposition the body of Christ. You know, Daniel risked his life by standing for what he believed in. He put it all on the line. Esther, she risked the comfort and the favor she found. In fact, when she went in to see the king, she, she said, if I perish, I perish. I really believe God is looking for people who are not just sort of in when it comes to the cause of Christ, but are all in. It's like, I'm in this, I'm in this. And if I perish, I perish, but this is me. And I believe in a God who's sovereign. And I'm not gonna die wondering. And before I die, I wanna see a nation saved. I wanna see my world change. Come on, do you wanna change the world? You gotta risk something. You gotta stretch out. You know, Joseph, he, he risked the right to be the victim, to being a victim. You know, too many people, it's like today, just stuck in their victim mentality, stuck in events of the past. Yeah, I know things happen, but you've got to let God into the midst of that. So you're no longer a victim. Come on, you can be victorious in Jesus' name, but you've got to risk that. Just say, that, that's yesterday. I'm a new person. If anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new in Jesus' name. Now, I, I'm stepping on, you know, too many people, I've got excuses. Oh, but you don't understand what happened. Well, God understands. God understands. I may not, but God does. And He can heal your heart. He can bring hope where there's hopelessness. You know, with his brokenness, he can he can bring restoration and wholeness in Jesus' name. Come on, if if he's your source, if he's your source, not people, if he's your source, you can't be a victim. You have Jesus living on the inside of you. He conquered death. Come on, come on, he can do a miracle in your life if you give him permission to. Come on, you just got to give them permission. You got to give them that all access pass to your life, that all access pass to your heart. You know, it's often in church, you know, we go, well, I'll let you into this space, but no, not everything, God, because if I do, I might cry. Or if I do, you know, I might be a mess. Sometimes we've got to be a mess. Before God, it's like, okay, he goes, now I've got everything. Now I can I can work on it. But until I've got everything, it's like, oh, you just only give me a few parts. Now it's like, you want him to construct something, but you're only giving him a few parts to work with. But God says, no, I need everything if this is going to work out. Come on, you're called to change the world. Three four, I can't count, four people, four people who changed their world. 
As I said, you're, you're born to make a difference. I really believe God wants to put passion inside of people. Passion. Passion. In fact, the word passion in the Latin, it actually means to suffer. Today, people say they're passionate about this. I'm really passionate. But the thing is, if you're not willing to suffer, you're not passionate. And if you have to tell somebody you're passionate about something, come on, if you have to tell somebody you're passionate, it's like maybe you're not. You know, I, I really believe people should know by our lives, by the way we live, by how we go about things. Man, they're passionate about church. They're passionate about the cause of Christ. They're passionate. They're passionate about this stuff. Come on, anybody passionate in this room? Come on, God wants to release a passion into people's hearts. You know, enthusiasm. This is not just some gathering, man. This is the house of God. I have Jesus living on the inside of me. You know, we often talk about enthusiasm. That word enthusiasm came about to describe the early church. I don't know if some of you know this, but it comes from two Greek words. Enthusiasm, E-N, means in. Enthusia comes from the Greek word theos, which means God. So actually, to be enthusiastic is actually in God. Now, see, when you've got God in you, you can't help but be a little bit enthusiastic. Come on, I want to preach to the God in you. Because the God in you will respond. It's like there's something in you. That, you know, so many people go, wow, there's a lot of hype in those noisy churches. And I'm going like, well, what's up with that? You know, I reckon there's a lot of hype in quieter churches. Because hype is when you do something different on the outside to what's happening on the inside. Come on, follow me right now. And, and I, I don't know. I, I think it's a contradiction to have the creator of the universe living on the inside of you and not be passionate. Come on, there's a contradiction that we've got to address. You, know, you, you can't help but be enthusiastic. You can't help but break through your shyness. You can't help but, but stand up and, and open your mouth. Come on, you can't. There's something in you that won't let you. It's like enthusiasm. Well, that was an underwhelming response right there. It's just like enthusiasm. It's God. Come on, God in. In you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. He's in you. He's in you right now. He's not outside. He's in you. He's in you. He's for you. And He's called you to make a difference in Jesus' name. Come on, we need some people who just say, man, that's me. I'm in. I'm in. And I want to be passionate about the things of God. You know, I'm not going to stand on the edge any longer. I'm not going to be on the fringe of church. I'm not going to be a spectator. You know, the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It does not, you know, see here, there, there, too many people, observation. No, it's about participation. It's about involvement. It's about engaging in Jesus' name. Come on, and if you want to make a difference in your world through the house of God, how about standing to your feet right now? Come on. Come on. I really believe God wants to infuse passion. Some of you have fallen over too easily in the past. It's like, oh, I get surprised at people sometimes. It's like, like, they go, oh, I'm tired. It's just everywhere they go, I'm tired. It's like, you know, people have died and are dying today for this cause. And you're going, I'm tired. 
You know, they, they think, man, this, this cause is worth dying for, but I'm tired. I'm just going to sit at home and watch Netflix. It's like, like, what's up? It's like, over here, people are dying. To, you know, this is, my life's worthy of this cause. And over here, I'm tired. I'm tired. Oh, don't ask me to lift my hands. It's just like, like man, it's like, what's up? What's up over here? Oh, don't ask. You know, the church is asking. No, this is worthy of your life. It's worthy of you, everything. Come on. He died for me so I can live for Him. Is there not a cause right now? Come on, the cause of Jesus Christ. The greatest cause on the face of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Right now, just if you're saying, just in your heart, man, I want to be more passionate and give all to the cause of Christ. What I want you to do is simply, music down, come out of your seat, come to the front. Just, you know, something's got stuck, and you just say, man, I'm all in. Come on, you want to make a fresh command. Come, 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 come.